Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are watching Nickish. This is the Nickish at Night segment of the show. My name is Mo, and my partner Nafi had to bounce a little early tonight, so it's just going to be me. But luckily for me, uh, tonight's guest is someone who is packed with New York Knicks and NBA knowledge. He is one of the OGs of Knicks content creators and knows a thing or two about basketball. Uh, he is a founder of our affiliate, Nothing But Knicks. His name is Mr. Simeon Russell. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm good, Mo. How you feeling, man? Glad to be here. I am feeling well. Uh, definitely a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I know you just came off of Guillermo's Legion of Knicks podcast. I was watching it. Great show. If you guys haven't had the chance to check it out, definitely make sure you check out Guillermo's podcast, Legion of Knicks. Um, this week is going to be a little different for you. Uh, unfortunately, you're kind of in a position where your account is, your YouTube account at least, is, is suspended. But, you know, yeah. we're all trying to do what we can to make sure that, you know, your voice is still heard. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, it happens from time to time. You know, the YouTube police would be out. Uh, I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not exactly sure. You know, it's weird because they don't give you and say, hey, here's the content that uh, is supposedly copyrighted. You know, um, or that someone claimed is their content. So it's hard for me to even know what it was. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, we'll try to make do for the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, see and see what we can see what we can do. So it should be good. It should be all right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the NBA season starting less than a week from now, it's crazy. That's starting just just in a week, and you know we we'll, we'll get a little bit into the Knicks. Uh, I, I know you've had some time to share your thoughts on it, but I am curious to know on your thoughts on just the rest of the NBA and uh, which players in particular you're looking out for to, to really have a breakout season. Wow, to have a breakout season. I'll tell you one thing that I'm impressed with uh, are the rookies so far. You know, a lot of people said that this was going to be a weak draft class uh, and, and you know, the rookies, you know, aren't going to be this, that, and the other thing. But a lot of the rookies have come into the league and played well. Isaac Okoro, you know, we seen him last night with the Knicks in Cleveland. He's been playing well. Devin Vassell, uh, San Antonio, you know, he had a nice debut uh, 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 Halliburton over in Sacramento. He's played well. And I, I think with this, with this draft class, maybe what happened is so many people thought it was a weak draft class that instead of drafting for talent, they drafted for fit. Right. And so now guys are coming in and they have specific roles. They play in systems that fit their skill sets and they're playing well. You know, so this could be a surprising draft class uh, for a lot of people, I think, you know, and our own guy, Obi, I think that, you know, Obi's going to play well this season as well. You know, he's, he's you know, got, got a little bit to learn about the NBA and stuff like that, but I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think the Vegas odds came out and it looks like Obi Toppin has the highest percentage of winning rookie of the year. Uh, I know yeah. I mentioned even before he was drafted that Toppin has most likely chance of being rookie of the year, but 
Do you, after seeing his play for three games, you know, granted we didn't see him for many minutes, do you see that kind of potential in him for this season on the Knicks at least? I think for Obi, I think Obi's going to need a point guard that can really help him to get the ball. You know, he's not going to create his own shot. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a, a ton of post moves. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to have a point guard that he can run a screen and roll with, get him open, let him get his dunks, uh, and then it's going to open up the rest of his game. Right now, he's, I think he's shooting, you know, like maybe 16% or something like that from the three-point line. He pulls it from deep. It looks good. His shot looks good a lot of times. You know, his form and his shot looks good. Uh, I think eventually he'll start to knock those shots down. Um I think there's going to be some other rookies that have something to say about the rookie of the year thing, though. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, so, you know, we'll see. He should be in the running, though. For sure. At least he should be in the running. But I think there's going to be some young guys that have something to say about that rookie of the year thing. Now, um, yeah. Now, I think the, I think one of the conversations that haven't really been happening as much as I would have assumed is who's going to come out of the East? Uh, this this upcoming season, we saw Miami. That was a surprise team that really made it all the way to the finals. But we saw we saw Drew signing with the Bucks. We see Kevin Durant, Kyrie, you know, mm-hmm. together playing together on the court with the brand new coaching staff. Uh, the East is very much up in the air. Uh, who do you see coming out of the you know top two teams in the East? Whew, it, it's going to be tough. I'm not discounting Miami. I've seen a lot of people say that Miami. You know, they would have benefited being in the bubble, stuff like that. Well, the NBA season is not going to be that much different than the bubble as far as fans being in the arena. And I think that's a great equalizer, not having the fans in the arena. Because now, uh, you know, for the home team, those fans really do mean a lot. You know, it energizes the team sometimes. You know, just playing in certain atmospheres sometimes can rattle another team or other players on the opposing team. It's not going to be that many fans in the stadium, I don't think, all season, right? You know, even though there's there's a vaccine now and, you know, that's another story, but I still don't think there's going to be fans in the arena for a long time. Uh, so I think that's a great equalizer. Uh, and teams like Miami benefited in the bubble, if that's what people think, and they may benefit during the regular season as well. I'm not counting out Miami because I think they have – a lot of the ingredients to play gritty, gritty defense, uh, they're stingy. You know, they're not just going to give up because another team is supposed to have more talent or is supposed to be, you know, you know, a better team. They're going to fight. I wouldn't count those guys out from going to the uh, coming out of the East. I wouldn't count Boston out from coming out of the East either. I think they learned a lot from playing in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jason Tatum is going to take another step forward. I'd like to see Kemba Walker show that, you know, prove to everyone that he can be a primetime player in the in the playoffs. He didn't really do that last year. So I'm looking to see uh, if he can do that this year. I wouldn't count Boston out. I'm not sure about the Bucks. Be honest with you, you know I don't know that Drew Holiday is is he that much of an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe at that point guard spot because that's really what you know th- that was their big move to get Drew Holiday, uh, and then you know they picked up Bobby Portis, 
you know, he should be able to help them. <laughs> you know, he, he should be able to help them as yeah, far great, as great, great, the great, great, great. a little bit. But, you know, he's not going to come in and, and give you 20 a game or 10 rebounds a game. Well, maybe he could give you close to 10 rebounds a game. Uh, but he's not going to be a, a huge difference maker. So then the question is, is Drew Holiday that much better than Eric Bledsoe? Right? And they also moved along from uh, George Hill. Right. And George Hill, I like George Hill. I think he's a good defender. He's a smart basketball player. He can knock down the three. You know, I think, you know, this question's in the air about the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think they're locked to come out of the Eastern Conference at all. Yeah. I mean, with George Hill, you lose out on a locker room leader and Bledsoe, you know, has a scrappy defense. But Drew Holiday does have a better three point shot. Uh, also comes with a scrappy defense and that leadership. I think he's known as one of the kindest guys in the NBA. Um, and I, I noticed you didn't mention uh, our little, you know, stepbrother kind of forgotten team that just joined oh, New York. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about. We don't like to mention them too much, but I, I don't mean, like to talk about them too much. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say what, what the Nets are really going to be. It's it's weird. It seems like a weird situation over there in Brooklyn, right? Of course, you got KD and you got Kyrie. Um, but then the, the coaching staff, Steve Nash is a brand new head coach. And I know Steve Nash is a brilliant, a brilliant guy, smart NBA player. Uh, he's got a great basketball IQ, but it's different when it comes to coaching in the NBA, right? It's just, it's just different. You got Mike D'Antoni to back him up and kind of show him the ropes, uh, then you got Amari Stoudemire. You know, I don't know. We'll see, you know, what Amari can do as far as coaching those guys. Now, what I will say is that if they plan to play the type of game that they played in Phoenix a long time ago, right, when it was Steve Nash and Amari, then, of course, they're able to, Amari is able to impart some knowledge on KD and on, K and on Kyrie, you know, on some things that they used to do. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what it is that they're doing. You know that they have talent. You know, are those the guys, Steve Nash, Mike Dean, and Tony? Uh, and then you got uh, the former coach who was still there. I can't think of his name now, but, you know, he's still there. Can they mesh that talent together? Uh, I think it's going to be – I'll tell you what, not having fans in the stadium will probably benefit Brooklyn mm -hmm. because – you know, they'll be able to just go in and play. They don't have to hear the murmur of the crowd. You know, in New York, people are going to complain about this and that. They can tune out social media if they want to. Sure. You know, so, uh, you know, that I think is going to benefit that team. Right. You know, so I'm interested to see about them. I don't know if they're locked to come out of the Eastern Conference because uh, for the most part, you know, bringing in, you know, with KD coming in, that that's a big part that's coming in. It's not like – he played last season for a little while and then was out. He didn't play last season. So there's going to be an adjustment there. It's going to be a new system with new coaches. It's definitely going to be they, – they've got to adjust. I don't see them coming out of the East this year, I don't think. You know, I mean I, – I, so I guess to answer your question of who I see coming out of the East, I'm still thinking maybe it's going to be Miami or Boston. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either. But at least for now, I might have to – predict the nets uh zach Lowe actually had a really good podcast uh, a couple of days ago 
and they really broke out his his past couple of games. They had some reporters that that he brought on, and based off what they were saying, from what they were seeing, Kevin Durant looks like Kevin Durant, and ninety percent of Kevin Durant is a top three NBA player. And uh, he, you know, he's driving into the basket, he's making cuts the way he did when he was pre pre Achilles injury, and obviously Achilles injury is no joke. Uh, it's one of the worst injuries you can have as an NBA player, especially at the age of like I don't know what's Kevin Durant thirty two. Um, yeah. I you know it's it's going to be very interesting to see. I think Steve Nash might be a coach who's, who might end up being a little bit of a pushover, especially with all the potential drama that might come up in the locker room with with obviously, obviously Kyrie and 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 Durant, but guys like Dinwiddie um, or Lavert who might have been hoping for more minutes or a bigger role might have to be okay with being on the bench and i know i know nash what he's trying to do is he's trying to kind of suck up to them uh in, in the media they he talks very highly of guys like dinwiddie trying to compare him to guys like manu ginobili as and try to place him into that role of a six man which could which could work out and obviously my, they have mike d'antoni on that team too which is going to be huge for their offense uh right. Any, you, know, you, you know, the one thing about KD and, you, you know, people say, yeah, he looks fresh and, he, and he's cutting and he's slashing and, and he's, you know, pre-KD, you know, he, he, before the uh, Achilles, you know, pre-Achilles AD, KD. But he should look that way. He's been off a year, right? Year and a half. A year and a half. His Achilles been reconstructed or whatever, you know, they had to do. You know, let's let's see what happens after he's played sixty games. How does his Achilles feel after sixty games? Because how much pressure has he really put on that Achilles? Mm -hmm. You know, scrimmaging, uh, practicing—it's not the same as when you're playing in heavy, heavy NBA competition. You know, and I'm not wishing anything. I hope that it—I hope that it's good. I I want KD to be healthy, right? Uh, but. You know, how much um, you know, is it going to start to tire a little bit when he gets later in the season? You know, uh, that's, you know, that's where the worry comes in. I don't think the worry comes in right now. Um, you know, it's going to look good. It's going to look fresh. But when he get later in the season, you know, is there wear and tear on that Achilles, mm -hmm. you know, and, and stuff like that? Um, we'll see what the Nets, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it comes about. How it comes about. It's going to be interesting, you know. It's going to be fun, and it's going to be funny. And I think there's somewhere, somehow, there's going to be some drama there, um, you know. And I think, yeah, KD can look fresh and look good, and hopefully, he looks like that all season. I just don't know if they have that continuity yet boston miami they've been through some battles together so they have that there's a trust factor that comes in when you go through a bunch of battles right, right. where you know that certain guys got your back uh you know they've had both of those teams have the same coaches for a while um you know they know what they want to do they know how they want to play now you've seen it last year with denver and the clippers well not last year but in the playoffs with denver and the clippers when it came down to it, the Denver Nuggets trusted each other and knew exactly what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to come back. When that pressure was on and they had to uh, – and they were facing elimination game after elimination game, they knew what to go to and how to get it done. 
And the Clippers, when the pressure was on them, they didn't know because they were new. Right. You know, they, you know, they didn't know how that was going to go. I think Miami and Boston, they kind of have an idea. I know Jimmy Butler just came there last season, uh, but their team has been together for a little while. They've had a, a, a style of play, you know, that they can rely on. You got Eric Spolster, who's been there for however many years, right? I think that those two teams, in my eyes, should be the two teams that people look at to come out of the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm I'm just not sure about Milwaukee. I, I feel like Milwaukee's starting to feel like Milwaukee's going to be like the Atlanta Hawks back in the day that would win 60 games, but they just couldn't get over the hump. That's all. I mean, they got they got an MVP on their team, but I like that you mentioned the the Nuggets because we'll pivot over a little bit to the West. Are the Nuggets making the Western Conference Finals again? I think they can. You know, people counted them out last year. They were a good team all last season. Um, you know, they they play defense. They know what they want to do on offense. They've been together for a while. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. You you can expect that or think or feel you know that he's going to take a leap forward. I think they can. I definitely think they can make the the Western Conference Finals. There's a lot of competition, of course, right? The Clippers, the Lakers, uh, Utah. There's a lot of competition, but I think the Nuggets can definitely make that the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Of course, I, I don't think anyone's beating the Lakers in the West. Um, I, I just don't. But I think the the Nuggets could be there, and then they're going to have to deal with the Lakers again. Gonna be interesting to see. Um, Taking with the Clippers for just a second, because I think I think you and I agree it's probably gonna be the Lakers. They they were the favorite coming in, and they had probably the best off season out of <laughs> the NBA it seems, which is just right. Um, Taking Clippers for a second, because because Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is gonna be if he doesn't pick up his option, he's gonna be a free agent next season, and with uh, with Giannis now signing on for five years, Paul George signing on with his team. Free agency 2021 is looking a little bleak for the Knicks. Um, <laughs> any any other free agents alongside Kawhi Leonard who you think the Knicks might keep an eye out on? Because if they don't, then we're going to have to have another discussion. You know, I don't even know who else is supposed to come out in 2021. Uh, and and I, I think their primary agenda has to be to get a bona fide starting point guard on the team, right? That's got to be their agenda more than any other position. Mm-hmm. Clearly, if a star is available, like a, a serious star is available, then you're well, going to make an exception. But I'll, I'll throw a few names out for you. Okay. Uh, so alongside Kawhi Leonard, there's Drew Holiday, Rudy Gobert, Oladipo, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Dennis Schroeder. Not a lot of young guys. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, listening to that group, maybe Mike Conley could be a guy that they dec- that they think about bringing in. I think he might stay in Utah. Uh, Utah might still want to bring him back at a, a reasonable price, and, you know. But because I, I don't think that they are going to stay away from older guys. I don't think that's going to be. I think they want guys that know how to play basketball and they're going to come in and produce. Now they may be trying to stay in that. 27, 28, 29 range, they may not want to go as old as Mike Conley, right? So they might maybe, you know, take a shot at Drew Holiday. I think he is in his 30s, though, but he he would most likely stay with the Bucks if they play well. Um, maybe they try to t- make a shot, take a shot at Chris Paul. Chris Paul's going to be a free agent next year. 
2021? According to what I see here, um, well, maybe there's there might, a, might be a player option. A player option. I think there's a player yeah. option. So he's probably going to pick yeah. up his player option uh, and stay in Phoenix. So he would most likely be off the table. Um, Basically, not yeah, many options. You know, it's, 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 yeah, not many options. So that's, <laughs> not many that's, options. So that's the thing, right? So when we when we talk about the Knicks and we talk about our brand new front office, brand new coach, they're not they're not looking to wait five more years to be a winning team. And free agency was something that you know I'm sure that they had as options, especially while they're bringing Leon Rose and Worldwide West on the team uh, for their for their connections. But if connections isn't going to help them at least next year, the year after free agency isn't supposed to be that good either. You know what's the move? Because uh, this this current roster isn't probably going to win too many games uh, unless they have breakouts from multiple players at the same time. Is a trade something that the Knicks should look into this next season, or you know, fade for Cade, or you know, what do you what do you think they should do at least so they they can be a winning team in two or three seasons? Yeah, I think you know as far as the the, the tanking thing. You know, I think that the Knicks have to try to uh, Tom Thibodeau and the players got to try to produce as many wins as possible, be as competitive as possible. It may not happen, right? But I think they got to go out and play hard. Uh, you know, the whole tanking thing hasn't really worked for the Knicks, right? I mean, you know, they got RJ Barrett at the third pick. Uh, they didn't play well last year. They ended up getting the eighth pick. Not that I'm, you know, saying anything about Obi, but, you know, I like Obi. And I think he's going to do well. But, you know, they end up getting the eighth pick. I think you have to, at some point, you have to decide, we are just going to try to build a structure and a format for these guys to play in, force them to play hard. If they don't want to play hard, they can get out of here. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be a perfect team. But if they can play hard, then they can compete with anybody that's in the NBA. And if we can get them to do that, uh, then we can continue to add pieces as we go, uh, um, you know, and build this the way that the Clippers did, the way that the Nets did, right? They added pieces and and they played hard and they had systems. And then Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. KD and Kyrie wanted to go to the Nets. I think that's got to be your formula. And you don't do that by just throwing your season away, I think. And I don't think the players that you have, if we talk about guys taking steps forward, I don't think the players that you have get better by just throwing your season away. Uh, so I think the Knicks got to try to stay competitive, uh, you know, fight, play hard, play defense, you know, and then take whatever comes with, comes with you, you know. And then you, the guys that you have on your team look even more valuable in a trade, right? If you're, if you're terrible, you know, you know everyone – you know, Knicks fans are like, yo, we got to fade for Cade, but then we got to trade all these players to get a, a star player or get a better player. But if you're fading for Cade, that means you're terrible. That yeah. means your players are not valuable. And people look and say, yo, this guy, you want to trade me this young guy who didn't produce on a 15-win team. That means he's not valuable. You know what I'm saying? If you want to make your team valuable, your players valuable so that you can make move moves, then your team has to be competitive. You know, when your team is competitive, then people look and say, okay, they got some valuable players over there, you know, when it comes time to make some trades. Uh, and it, I think, I don't know who or when or where, uh, but a trade will come. 
you know, and I think that's the way if the Knicks are going to get a star, that's the way it's going to have to come through trade or through developing their own players. Mm. You know, I don't know who or where. Um, I think they're taking shots at like, like guys like Austin Rivers that he can be a lead guard for them. Maybe not a dynamic point guard, but a lead guard because he has a lot of experience uh, in the playoffs. He has a lot of, you know, basketball knowledge and, 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 you know, going deep in the playoffs. Never been to the Western Conference Finals, I don't think, but well, he might have with Houston. Maybe he went to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know if he was on that team. I mean, it was like three seasons ago. I Yeah, I, I don't know. Clippers then, he might, yeah, he might have still been on the Clippers, so I'm not sure. But, uh, but he's got some experience going deep in the playoffs, like, you know, second round, seventh game in the second round and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, he's he brings that to the Knicks. And he's never played on a team where he could straight up be the guy, right? He was behind Chris Paul. Uh, he was behind Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden. You know, so this may be a chance. He may be looking at it as a chance for him to uh, really establish himself as a primary starter in, in the NBA. You know, so I think that they've take, they took a shot on him in that aspect. He's 28 years old. Uh, Nerlens Noel. You know, he was ballyhooed coming out of college. Never turned out to be uh, what people thought. Uh, you heard John Calipari say, you know, this is, you know, this is the year for him to break out or, you know, he wants to break out. You know, you got uh, Kenny Payne there with the New York Knicks. And I don't think he's going to have a breakout year, but maybe he can give you a double-double. He might be, be able to give you 10 points, 10 rebounds. And maybe if Austin Rivers can come in and give you, you know, 15 points, and, and three or four assists because he's never been a heavy assist guy, right? Three or four assists, but help you to run your team. That could be beneficial, right. you know, and, and help the Knicks to look better than maybe people expect. Um, I'm not expecting a lot of wins, but I'm not expecting this team to be as bad as some people might project them to be, to be honest with you. You know, I, I see that. Right now, and I know it's only three preseason games, and they played two terrible teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but their defensive rating is like third in the league at whatever it is, ninety-two point nine or something like that. We'll see if it's going to last. Uh, things that I'm seeing from the guys, they play hard. Uh, they're playing. They, you know, they're trying to play defense. They got to work on you know some of the team defense aspects. I think the second unit with the young guys, they got to work on playing good, strong defense together. Uh, the shots are spread out, right? Uh, R.J. Barrett is leading the team in shot attempts at about 17, and then it's Julius Randle at 11, and then you got other guys that are getting nine shots, eight shots, ten shots, right? That's good, you know, uh, uh, that means you don't have one guy taking 25 shots. Right? It's spread out very well as far as who's taking shots. Uh, we'll see if that lasts go, going into the, in, into the season, you know, um, so there are some positive things. And I think that Tom Thibodeau is the kind of coach that's going to, you know, really push the guys to play hard and, and kind of force them to play hard. So I don't think the Knicks are going to have as bad a season as most people think. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But I think they can, be, they can hover around and maybe make a push towards that temp seed and then try to get into a play-in game or something like that. I think I think most people are kind of pegging them towards a 26-27 win team. Um, you know, I think I think you mentioned it in 
your your sportscaster from earlier that Nerlens Noel might be the best mentor that Mitch can have, at least from his previous ones, when compared to Taj and uh, DeAndre. Mm-hmm. And when he said it, you know, I I thought of Nerlens Noel's previous situation a couple of years back when he had when he was offered a huge contract that he turned down and ended up not working for him, and a couple of years later right. getting single digit you know dollars. I think yeah. I think that factor could be important because I, I think I think there's speculation that Mitch took offense that Noel might start over him and that kind of just you know caused some internal problems. But I think I think Noel could be a great mentor in that sense because he can show Mitch that he's made mistakes and he can learn from it. And I think it's important when Mitch himself has had six agents and you know obviously he's he's showing a huge lack of trust and it might be because his peoples aren't telling him the right things or not but i think noel being there can show him you know humbly that you know situations happen at least outside of the court that you want to look out for i think noel could be really good at that and obviously play style is very similar uh but yeah i think that was a really good point that you made yeah yeah and i think that um noel is going to be really good for Mitch, right? Because he 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 understands a little bit more of the technical side of the game. DeAndre Jordan, he was there with Mitch and you know they, they kind of had the same kind of personalities, right? So, you know, it, it was it was cool for Mitch. And he Mitch did some things that uh, you know, some things that you liked with DeAndre Jordan being there. But I don't think DeAndre Jordan is really has that technical side of the game either not that noel has and i think that's going to help mitch uh when he understands that part of the reason that he's not starting because i don't think he's going to start is because he doesn't have those those technical parts of the game uh i think that um that's what's going to help him to learn right and and he's going to see that wow Thibodeau put in Noel, not, you know, because of the technical side. Yeah, I'm more talented than him. I can jump higher. I can block more shots and I can, you know, uh, you know, bring down these these crazy dunks. But he has those technical things, those small little things that help a team win maybe just a little bit more that edge a team, you know, that, that gives the team an edge. And I think he's going to learn that this year. He might struggle a little bit while he's learning it because that's the growth process. But I think he's going to learn that this year. Uh, we've seen a couple of players struggle early on these couple of preseason games. Players that should not be struggling in their you know second or third year in the NBA, namely Knox, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., and I feel like I'm forgetting one more person who's struggling. Um, we'll stick with those two guys between Knox and Ran- uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Who do you suspect? If if either of them would come out as an improved player, obviously we saw last night Knox played a lot better, but Dennis Smith Jr.'s defense is a lot better. I know you're you know even more pro Dennis Smith Jr. you know compared to other people on Nick's Twitter, for example. But between just those two guys, who do you see having a, a like a more likely chance to you know actually improve on the court on a more consistent basis? I think it would be Knox that would have that would come out between the two and be more consistent uh, because Dennis Smith Jr. I think is struggling learning how to be a point guard that Tom Thibodeau is asking him to be. And I think that's going to be a struggle for him uh, for a good portion of the season. You know, 
it's not something that you just get after playing 10, 15 games. Like, you know, it takes a while. A point guard is a tough, tough, tough position, and it takes a little while, especially if you're used to being the kind of guard that's just that's a scoring guard that goes and scores. That's what Dennis Smith Jr. is, or that's what he came into the league as. You know, so I think he's going to have a tougher time than Knox. Knox's only job is to score. You know, score and get some rebounds. That's all he really has to do. Now, he doesn't have the same responsibilities as Dennis Smith Jr. At least, you know, that's what Tom Thibodeau is putting on Dennis Smith Jr. right now. You know, so I think it would be Knox, especially if you can get a guy, you know, if he, he starts to develop some continuity with, with quickly and quickly is playing, uh, then you can see Knox maybe, you know, really start to give you something. Uh, I'm hoping. I like Knox, and the Knicks are going to need Kevin Knox, I think, because a lot of teams are going to play zone, and if Knox can hit that three-point shot, they're going to need it bad because <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing he's never had. He's never had a good point guard to help set him up, and if you look at his best games, he had that one rookie of the month like two years ago when he the last time he actually played well uh, on, on an NBA court, and that was when you know guys were – able to drop dimes for that one. Moody was dropping five, six, seven assists a game. Even Hardaway Jr. was starting to, you know, drop assists for that for that hot one month, and that was it. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with because that when, when Quickly was finally able to find Knox and Knox had wide open shots when he's not thinking he's, you know, KD and taking two dribbles and pulling up and getting air balls, his shot goes in. He has a very good and solid form, and he just needs an actual legitimate point guard to, to you know, make those plays for him. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Kevin Knox, he's an enigma, man. The, the thing is, and I know people hate to hear it about him, and they hate to hear it about a lot of players because we got a lot of projects on this team. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox, now Dennis Smith Jr. is a project as well. Uh, a lot of them <laughs> on this team, <laughs> right? And, and you're hoping that one or two of them are going to step up Right and 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 do something, but like everyone right now is gonna give Obi a pass because he's a rookie, and I'm not hating on him coming down on Obi, but they're gonna give Obi a pass because he's a rookie. Obi's gonna be 23 years old in March. Kevin Knox is 21 years old right now. He doesn't turn 22 until August, right? So people people will sit and say, "Well, Knox has been in the league for a lot of years." Yeah, that I, I get that. But, you know, the player still has to develop. You know, they need time to develop. So people are going to look at Obi and say, well, give him some time to develop because he's a rookie. Well, he's about a year and a half older than Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is going to need some time to develop still. Mm -hmm. He just played his younger years in the NBA when Obi played his younger years on a different level. You know what right. I'm saying? Um I think you get, you still got to give some time to Kevin Knox. You know, people get impatient. Like, if Kevin Knox, this is the thing. If Kevin Knox was drafted this year and came into the NBA this year and played the exact same way he's playing now, he'd get a pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... and I would be like, oh, we got a good one. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He would have he had that game last night, and everyone would have been like, Yo, this guy might break out. He might be this. He might be that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, we just got to still remain cool, remain patient. And you can still bring in the Knicks, what they've done. 
is uh, set themselves up so that you can, if it's through free agency or even through trade, and you might give up a young guy through trade, you can bring in a player and still have enough young players to develop. Right. Right. People forget there's 15, there's 15 spots on a roster. So you don't have to move a guy just because he's not producing right now. You can like right now, the Knicks are in position to give a guy room to develop. Right. When you're a championship team, you know, you might want a guy that's going to produce right now because you need something in your roster. So you give up a young guy. But when you're not, you have room to let these guys grow and, and, and play a little bit, you know, and, and the way guys are coming into the league now, you need a little bit more time, right. I think, you know, than, rather than it used to be like, it used to be like, uh, you know, you know, if a guy isn't producing by the third year, then maybe you have to move on from him or something like that. Uh, but I think the way guys come into the league now, you need just a little bit more time. They come in very, very young. You know, and everyone's not going to come in and be LeBron James. You know, some guys are going to come in and need a couple more years to develop right. and, and and become what they're going to be. Not just basketball-wise, but they got to grow as men and mature a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, know, half the game, at least for these guys, was between the ears. And if you play on a Knicks court and have to deal with all the media and all the Knicks fans, it's it's – you know, it takes a toll. We've seen it. that's why we have five, six projects on the team right now. That's why RJ, RJ is different because you know stuff like that doesn't face him. And exactly. uh, you know, the, the Knicks fans and Knicks Twitter and Knicks content creators, we we all you know pay attention a lot to what they show, at least off the court as well. And you know, I'd be remiss to not bring this topic up because over the last you know twenty four hours, uh, and this might be poking the bear a little bit, but. You know, a lot of a lot of people had a few things to say about your takes on Julius Randle. And I know. I'm not gonna say I'm not <laughs> I'm not here to say he's the worst player. The half or he's one of the worst player. I've seen some horrible Knicks players. I've seen some really shitty players, and Randall's not one of them. But you know, that being said, is your is your qualm against the way people see Randall right now at, in his game and? You know, would you want to see him in a Knicks uniform next season? You know, he's he's this is his last season. Uh, he could, if the Knicks want him back, they could, you know, they can have him back. Um, yeah, off of the right so, road, but yeah, yeah. So, I'm not for or against Randall, to be honest with you. You know, I'm not a big Randall fan. You know, they because I defend him, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's a, he, you know, he, he loves Julius Randall, that's his guy. Actually, he's not. <laughs> you know, if the Knicks move on from him for today, I'm not going to be sad. Uh, so I'm not for or against Julius Randle. Uh, I just think that, and he makes a lot of mistakes, like like everybody on the team does. He makes a lot of mistakes. His mistakes are exacerbated because, you know, he is one of the top two players on the team, right? And he's been in the league longer than RJ. Because if you look at the stats right now, RJ's shooting 50% from the field. He's averaging, I think, 18.7 points per game. He averages two assists, and he's averaging 2.7 turnovers. So he's turning the ball over more than he's getting assists. Julius Randle's averaging about the same point-wise, I believe, uh, shooting 50% from the field. He's averaging 4.7 assists per game. This is preseason numbers, and he's averaging three turnovers, right? Um Everyone with Julius Randle is going to look at the turnovers and say, yeah, we don't need those three turnovers. And, you know, and his turnovers look bad, right? Because he has bad balance and he falls when he turns the ball over and it looks bad. Yeah. But what 
you know, every, so everyone comes down on him because he's the highest paid. You know, people say he's paid to be the number one, uh, I guess. But on a good team, he's paid as a third or fourth option. He's making $19 million a year. That's not 30 or 40 like you see, you know, your star players make. Uh, and on a good team, he's probably your third or fourth option. Right. But for the New York Knicks, he's your first or second option because that's who we have. I think so. You know, so he gets to me, he he gets scapegoated for everything that's wrong with the Knicks. And he's not everything that's wrong with the Knicks uh, for this team, for this particular team right here, right now. If you take him off the floor. Where do you go? You're going to go. You're going to get RJ. If he's not playing, where are you going to get points? You're not going any place to get points. If you watched the game last night without Julius Randle, there is zero inside presence, like none. There's no beef inside uh, to able, you know, able to bruise guys up and 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 make a difference in the game that way. There's none whatsoever. Uh, you know, he's got to learn how to pass the ball. You know, make the right passes out of the double team. He's been a little bit better this preseason. He was better last night, but you know what? When he and when he does get the ball out of his hands, you don't see those guys: Reggie Bullock, R.J. Barrett, uh, Alec Burks. You don't see those guys as wide open from three. Uh, 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 you know, in in comparison to anyone else passing it to him, Julius Randle demands a lot of attention when he's in the post. A lot, three, four guys come around him which means those three-point shots are wide, wide open. If you watch the game, and you know, I'm sure you'll see tomorrow night two or three uh, uh, three-point attempts where Julius Randle was in the post. There were three guys around him, and he dips down real low with the basketball, you know, and then passes the ball out after he makes a double pump pass, you know, something like that. I hate that double pump that he does, but he does it all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but but he he does he'll he'll pass it out, and you'll see the guy, you know, whoever it is, R.J. Barrett, Reggie Bullock, whoever, wide open with nobody around them because he demands so much attention. And I think people really miss that with Julius Randle, and you know, people say, well, his nineteen and ten or nineteen and nine, you know, it's it's you know, it doesn't it's not producing wins or. You know, the way he plays, yeah, he gets the stats, but it's not conducive to good basketball. Um, I, I just disagree. You know, he makes mistakes, but, you know, he brings something to the team that you're not getting anyplace else. And I think when, if Julius, if there comes a time during the season where Julius Randle was out for five or six games, I think people are going to see it. See, last year, if he was out, I don't know if he was out much last year maybe one or two games oh, but i think you yeah. still had i think you still have marcus morris there uh and you had you know a, a different kind of presence this season if julius randall is out for five or six games for whatever reason people are really going to notice that like there's no there's no anchor on that offensive side and and you know we're not going to be able to score the ball i mean right now we're we don't score the ball very well Right. Um, you know, so, you know, that's just my argument with Julius Randle. I don't think he's the scapegoat. Is he the best player in the world? Obviously not, you know, but I, I don't like it when one, when everyone looks at one person and makes him the scapegoat. Um, cause I don't think he's the scapegoat, but when he is gone, it's going to be RJ. He's going to be next up. 
I can guarantee it. And then everyone's going to look at RJ and say, well, he's not getting enough assists. He needs to get more assists. He needs to knock down a three-point shot. He's hogging the ball. <laughs> Mark my words on this uh, on this show right here, Mo. Mark my words. It's going to happen with RJ. I can get unless we get a star yeah. that's better than RJ. If Julius is gone and RJ is the bona fide best player on the team, watch what happens to RJ. Then he's going to be the scapegoat. I, I mentioned him on you know our last our last podcast uh, on Nickish. Um, if RJ's not getting you the ball, uh, getting you a basket, who else is there to get you that basket that you need in crunch time? Aside from Julius Randle, he is, you know, he is that player who can get you a basket when you need it. Um, it's just the thing is that I think Knicks fans are ready to make that transition for RJ to be the man. That RJ is a based off these three preseason games. A lot of people feel that he is that guy right now. And when you see you know Alfred Payton and Julius Randle doing their you know two-man game and you see RJ on the corner at certain times he's especially last season there are multiple you know situations where RJ was open it's it's kind of like seeing you know two players that no one wants to see let's say like Jordan Hill and Nick Young open doing their two-man game and Kobe's open you know RIP kind of like that obviously RJ and Kobe are not on the same level at all um but it's kind of like that everyone wants to see RJ succeed and the reason why there might be a lot more Randall hate than some would like is because they feel like Julius is taking shots away from him. And I think that might be a situation until Randall's role is established. And I think with him being the highest paid player on the team, he, he, I, and especially last season, especially with Fizz coaching him, he thought he was, he was the guy. He thought he was the man on the team. Yeah. He played as such, but I don't think his role is as clear this season. And I think that's something that Tibbs needs to do ASAP. So, you know, it, it looked like RJ was upset at certain points when he wasn't getting the ball. Um, there was a moment when he was speaking to Frank when he got on the bench. He just looked unhappy. I think that was after Randall's little turnover that got blown out of proportion and he drove in on three guys. Um, uh, I was going to say one. But, 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 you know, I think RJ is becoming that naturally, right? If you look at, if you look at it right now, Julius Randall's getting to the line more than anybody on the team. Um but he's shooting the ball only 11 times per game. RJ shooting the ball like 18 times per game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they're both shooting well. They're both shooting 50% from the field. When you look last year, uh, Julius Randle shot the ball 15 times and RJ was like 13 times. Um, right now, RJ's usage rate is more than Randall's usage rate. And I was just looking at it earlier. RJ's usage rate is like 24 point something. And then Randall's is like 23 point something. Um, so RJ is being used as the guy, you know, now when you look at the Alfred Payton and Julius Randle uh, two-man game, it's going to happen. I don't care what point guard that you have out there on the floor. The person they're going to pass the ball to the most is going to be Julius Randle because Julius Randle plays in the post and he needs a guard to pass him the basketball. He's also a screener. So when he sets the screen, he's going to pop, he's going to roll, and that guard is going to find Julius Randle. RJ Barrett doesn't play as a screener. R.J. Barrett plays as a ball handler, uh, and he he doesn't need someone to pass him the ball. You know what I mean? Now, he, he if Tom Thibodeau uses him off of screens, uses him off of, uh, you know, slashes to the basket, then you expect that they're going to find, you know, find R.J. Barrett cutting to the basket and things like that. Uh, but a lot of times, R.J. Barrett's going to get the ball in isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why his assists aren't going to, 
be high, right? Because he's going to get the ball in isolation to be looked to go get a bucket. Um, so, so that's part of the reason why you see that two-man game between those two guys. And, you know, I just say, you know, everybody trusts Tibbs. Right now, Tibbs is letting it happen. So, you know, you know, talk to Tibbs about it, man. <laughs> you, know, that, you know, talk to Tibbs. I know people, you know, people been coming at me and my joke over the last 24 hours is like my man Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon. I can catch bullets with my teeth, man. Because a lot of them been coming at me. A lot of bullets been coming at me. But we were just on Legion and Nick's podcast and a lot of people agreed about Julius Randle. Yeah. You know, but... um. Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau is the one putting him on the floor. And he's playing him for 30 minutes and he's playing the two guys together. You know, so you know, he obviously thinks that, that those are his best options as well. Last night, the Knicks had 28 assists on 38 uh, made field goals. So, you know, that's not bad. Yep. That's not bad. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that pans out. I think Austin Rivers is going to have something to say, though, about that guard spot. For sure. All right, Sim, uh, I know you're trying to practice ball after this. You say you're going to go to the gym afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you coming on to the show, man. Uh, Nickish at night. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you back at some point soon, man. And anytime, man. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. And for all the viewers watching at home, make sure you follow NBK on YouTube, Twitch, I believe, Twitter, uh, Sportscaster, uh, Instagram, and, you know, Look out for all the contents coming out in the next week from everybody in the MBK fam. Uh, make sure you follow us on Nickish uh, Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify uh, and, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, make sure you check us out next Wednesday or sorry, next Thursday for Nickish at Night where we bring in a new guest uh, and be right after the first game that the Knicks start. Uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Have a good night. Peace. Peace.